Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. location this is the bruce exclusive and here's your host bruce nolan ladies and gentlemen boys and girls children of all ages welcome to another edition of the bruce exclusive a buffalo rumblings podcast i'm your host bruce nolan you can find me on twitter and instagram at bruce exclusive welcome back Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the first episode of Food for Thought that dropped for you this past weekend. Nate Geary and I had a great time recording that podcast live on the Buffalo Rumblings YouTube channel at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Friday evening with special guest Joe Biscaglia from The Athletic. We had an opportunity to talk about the news of the day, which was Josh Allen's contract extension. This upcoming Friday, I will be going live on the Buffalo Rumblings YouTube channel immediately following the Buffalo Bills preseason game. So it might be 10-ish. We don't know. Whenever that game is over, that's when I'll go live. But that was the news of the day last Friday, the Josh Allen contract extension. But the news of the day today is that the Bills released their official depth chart in anticipation of the first preseason game. So we're going to go through it a little bit. And we're going to tie in some of the narratives that have been happening thus far at Bill's camp. One of the things I said that was a tip for efficient consumption of training camp content is to not overreact. So you want statistically significant sample sizes before you react to things. Well, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I didn't go left and right and left and right and left and right every single day of training camp. Instead, I waited till we're a couple weeks in. We're about ready for the first preseason game. And let's check in on some of those narratives. Let's go through the depth chart that I'm reading from Sal Capaccio at Sal Sports on Twitter. And we will talk about some things. First off, quarterback. The narrative around quarterback is, are they going to keep three? The leading discussion up to training camp was maybe they might keep a COVID quarterback. Sean McDermott kind of threw some water on that, said they didn't anticipate doing that. And the depth chart looks like this. Josh Allen, number one, the $258 million man. I know you're shocked. Mitchell Trubisky, number two. Davis Webb, third. Jake Fromm, fourth. Now, obviously Jake Fromm coming as a COVID quarterback last year back into the fold. It could just be a scenario 
where he needs some time to kind of reacclimate, or it could be that Jake Fromm just isn't a super good quarterback and he's probably going to get cut. You may remember that I was not on board with the Jake Fromm pick when it was made. It was not somebody who I thought had a long-term future in this league, even as a backup. And so Fromm and Webb will be an interesting battle, but right now, Webb is ahead of him. Running back, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, Matt Breida. Now, I know that Singletary, Moss, Breida in that order might make people go, oh man, RB1, Devin Singletary. Or Zach Moss is hurt. Or it's really a 1A, 1B, 1C. Or it's a 1A and 1B and Matt Breida is 2. That could be a possibility as well. I do think it's interesting that Devin Singletary is listed in the first team, but really it's kind of an incumbent scenario. I think it would be more shocking to me if Zach Moss would have enlisted as the first team running back because it would have demonstrated a change from last year where Singletary was the 1A to Zach Moss's 1B. Behind him, Antonio Williams, Taiwan Jones, Christian Wade. Antonio Williams and Taiwan Jones is going to be very interesting to me because obviously the reason you keep Taiwan Jones is because he's an elite gunner. Those aren't my words. That's the Bills organization words that Taiwan Jones is an elite gunner. So really it might be an Antonio Williams. Are you good enough to make us keep five? And I don't, I don't think the Bills are going to keep five running backs. So I have a tendency to think that the four running backs are pretty much set in stone and it's Singletary, Moss, Breida, and Taiwan Jones. But it will be fascinating to see if Antonio Williams can make plays on special teams and can run the ball well enough in the preseason game to really make people think that. Fullback, Reggie Gilliam. We already knew this. We knew that Gilliam was listed as a fullback moving forward. The question is simply, are you going to keep a fullback? It's not if you keep a fullback, which one will you keep? Because there's only one of them. It's are you going to have an H-back type do that job? Are you going to have Jacob Hollister do that job? Or do you want Reggie Gilliam to do that job? With the wide receivers, not a lot of surprises here. When you have the 11 personnel set being Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders. Behind them, Jake Kumaro, Isaiah McKenzie, Gabriel Davis. Behind them, Duke Williams, Brandon Powell, Isaiah Hodgins. Behind them, Marquez Stevenson, Lance Lenore, Tanner Gentry. I think the two notes here are Isaiah Hodgins with the third team and Marquez Stevenson with the fourth team. If the Bills end up keeping six receivers, I think Isaiah Hodgins, which was someone we were all very excited to see coming into camp, I think right now he's the odd man out. Marquez Stevenson being with the fourth team and Isaiah McKenzie being with the second team, when allegedly those two players were competing against each other, that's not much of a competition right now. When you have your special teams coach say that Isaiah McKenzie is in the driver's seat, and then you see Marquez Stevenson, who was supposed to be his competition, running with the fourth team when Isaiah McKenzie's running with the second team, that's not much of a competition. That's not a huge competition. Or it is, and it's just a beatdown. It's a very one-sided affair. So again, that's going to be something to watch in the preseason game. Marquez Stevenson, does he get some cracks at being able to field some punts? The camp reports have not been overly glowing 
about him and his ability to field punts. Do they give him a crack at it in a game setting? Or is it just, we've seen enough. We're not going to give him a lot of cracks at it. I think it'll be very interesting to see whether or not Marquez Stevenson is allowed to field punts in the game. And the offensive line, starting five, Deion Dawkins, John Feliciano, Mitch Morse, Cody Ford, Daryl Williams. The only thing that shocks me here is Feliciano and Cody Ford being swapped. That shocks me. I thought Cody Ford was going to get his first crack at left guard. They put him at right guard. You know what? As long as you leave him, just leave him and let's find out. But currently, the right guard spot, that's a competition. Ike Butker is listed behind Cody Ford at right guard. Jamil Douglas is listed behind Feliciano. So the weak spot there is Ford's job to lose, not Feliciano. So in in the event you thought maybe Feliciano was going to lose his job to Ike Butker, that's looking less probable. I'm not saying things can't change. Things can absolutely change. Ryan Bates rolling as the backup center is something that you always kind of wondered what they were going to do with Bates, who has that five positional versatility. Rolling as the backup center to Mitch Morse. I'm pleased with that. I like Ryan Bates. I'm Ryan Bates Hive. Again, leave him. Let him be a center. I think when you move over to the tight ends, you see Dawson Knox, Jacob Hollister, Tommy Sweeney, Quentin Morris, Nate Becker. I think the thing to look for here is Quentin Morris and Tommy Sweeney. Quentin Morris has had some positive pub when it comes to Bill's camp. And it's not like Tommy Sweeney has done something overly dramatic to make sure that he absolutely has to be part of the team in 2021. If they keep three tight ends, Quentin Morris keeps playing well, and Tommy Sweeney doesn't distinguish himself, there's no reason Quentin Morris can't be the third tight end for this team. Moving to the defensive side of the ball, Jerry Hughes, Ed Oliver, Starla Tulele, Mario Addison, top four. Nobody's shocked by this. Nobody's shocked by this at all. The thing that is more shocking to me is that the second team is Greg Rousseau, Justin Zimmer, Vernon Butler, A.J. Epinesa. So this isn't a Harrison Phillips at one tech, Vernon Butler at three tech. This is Vernon Butler as the backup one tech, Justin Zimmer as the backup three tech. Zimmer is another person who has had glowing praise about him from the Buffalo Bills organization. One of the things I said leading up to camp was be on the lookout for effusive praise that's unprompted or specific outlier phrases. Things that the coaches say like about Levi Wallace, for example. He's what it means to be a Buffalo Bill. That's a pretty significant statement. They made that a long time ago and nothing about Levi Wallace's status has changed. We'll get to that in a minute. But Justin Zimmer has gotten a lot of praise there. So Russo, Justin Zimmer, Vernon Butler, A.J. Epinesa. Third team, F.A. Obada, Brandon Bryant, Harrison Phillips, Boogie Basham. Harrison Phillips running with a third team at one tech is never a good sign. Daryl Johnson with the fourth team, I don't think is a great sign, but I think there's a chance Daryl Johnson rolling with the fourth team could still potentially make this team because of the way that Bill's special teams coordinator, Heath Farwell, talked about him said the first thing opposing coaches come up to talk to him about is Daryl Johnson. So this doesn't do anything to throw water 
on the idea that the Bills could potentially go defensive line heavy here. Nothing particularly shocking, except for, you know, Justin Zimmer at backup three-tech, Harrison Phillips rolling with the third team, maybe a little bit. Linebackers, Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, no shocker. The surprise thing to me is Tyrell Dodson, second team, Tyrell Adams, fourth team. You know that I think Tyrell Adams has a chance to be a better linebacker in base defense than A.J. Klein. So him coming out of the gate in the fourth team makes me wonder a little bit. Andre Smith running with the third team and Tyler Matikavich running with the third team. Both your special teams aces running with the third team. Is it just Edmonds, Milano, Dodson, Klein, Matikavich, and Smith? Six linebackers. Those are your four base linebackers, Edmonds, Milano, Dodson, Klein, and then Matikavich and Smith are your special teams guys. I'll be very interested to see how Tyrell Adams does. At corner, Taron Johnson, Tredavious White, Levi Wallace. No shockers. Saran Neal, Rashad Wild Goose being listed as an outside corner, and Dane Jackson. Levi Wallace, from all reports, has been the more consistent of the two between himself and Dane Jackson. So because of that, it looks like he might hold off Dane again and roll into this year yet again as the starting cornerback opposite Tredavious White. Saran Neal being the backup nickel corner, I think is really interesting because if you remember correctly, when Taron Johnson got benched, he got benched for the corner who is now running with the third team, which is Cam Lewis. I think that's interesting. That tells me Saran Neal has made a move since middle of 2020 until now. Because the first man up when Taron Johnson got benched was Cam Lewis. Right now, the first man up, if Taron Johnson were to get benched, would be Saran Neal. There's been some buzz about Saran Neal, whose freakish athleticism and his Swiss Army-like nature were kind of a thing coming out of Jacksonville State. It was, what are you going to do with this guy? Maybe the coaching staff's starting to figure it out. Maybe he's a nickel. At safety, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, no shocks. Damar Hamlin, Jaquan Johnson, Josh Thomas, Tariq Thompson. One of the draft picks is probably going to get cut. DeMar Hamlin, Tariq Thompson. I'd be shocked if they carried five safeties. So one of them is going to get cut. I think the Josh Thomas to DeMar Hamlin discussion, I think is a really interesting one. That's something that people have been talking about in camp reports for a while now. So to recap, some of the things that I think are interesting, obviously the Kumaro thing, really interested. Devin Singletary being an RB1. Davis Webb being ahead of Jake Fromm. I think that's really interesting. Cody Ford being at right guard, although that had been spoiled previously by a discussion from the coaching staff. I was actually a little shocked when I heard them say, yeah, Cody Ford's you know doing really well in between Daryl and Mitch. And I was like, whoa, did they mean to tell us that? Or was that a slip of the tongue? But there's that. On the defensive side of the ball, Justin Zimmer being the backup three tech, Rashad Wild Goose playing it outside, Saran Neal being the nickel corner. I think all these things are interesting and it sets up how to watch the preseason game. You're watching the preseason game, watching for these things. You're watching for Jake Kumaro as the second outside receiver behind Stephon Diggs on that side of the ball. You are looking for Saran Neal as a corner. I'll be looking very intently at Saran Neal. You're looking at Tyrell Adams and Tyrell Dodson, seeing if there really is a big jump between the two of them. 
this depth chart can help you know where your eyes should be because preseason games are a little different. You're not really watching for the same reason you're watching a regular season game because the team isn't playing for the same reason. The intent of a preseason game is not to win. It doesn't matter whether you win. The whole winning culture thing that goes along with winning preseason games, I don't buy it at all. It doesn't matter at all. The teams to go winless in the regular season both went undefeated in the preseason. The only team in recent memory to go completely undefeated during the regular season went 0-4 in the preseason. That was the New England Patriots. It doesn't matter. Winning in the preseason is not relevant. It doesn't matter at all. So because the team isn't really trying to win, the fans shouldn't really care that much about winning. We care about the individual one-on-one battles. We care about the things that we know going in might be narratives and we want to contribute data to the narratives. And so that's what we do. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We got some almighty takes to dive into. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. And thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. David Summers sent an almighty take to I am Bruce Almighty at Yahoo.com. He said, it's been clear for a while we're going to sink or swim with Josh. The only question now is whether or not he keeps up MVP level of play. So we signed him now to what I would call low MVP money rather than wait and see if we pay him high MVP versus top QB money later. Experts, and I will include you in this, Bruce, can be divided on which is going to be cheaper. But, you know, doing it now fits Bill's culture with the player who leads the culture. I agree with you. I've said the entire offseason, I think they would do it this offseason. I made my previous argument as to why the argument for waiting a year carried a little bit more weight for me than the argument for doing it now. But I'm not going to throw a fit if they do it. I think there's plenty of benefits. I think the biggest one, quite frankly, is the TV money. Joe Buscaglia talked about that on Food for Thought on Friday night. He specifically said, hey, people around the league are thinking that there's going to be a real significant spike in 2023, and you want to get ahead of that. You also want to make sure you get ahead of any of the quarterback contracts that are tied as a percentage of the cap. We haven't had that yet. A lot of people thought the Russell Wilson deal was going to be a percentage of the cap deal. And then when the Mahomes one ended up not being a percentage of the cap deal, then it was like, okay, well, that'll kind of put that to bed for a little bit because if Mahomes didn't sign for a percentage of the deal then you probably think you're not going to get a percentage of the cap deal from other people until someone jumps Mahomes so being able to get it locked in before TV money and not have a percentage of the cap deal that's in my opinion the most compelling argument to doing it now so I agree with you judge emailed me and said Bruce I think I'm going to make some adjustments to my 53-man roster. He had previously sent me a 53-man roster. He said, okay, Daryl Johnson makes it on the defensive line, and Lamp doesn't make it on the offensive line. Add Kubero, and then put Stevenson on the practice squad, and I'd still try and trade Butler and Klein, and if Hughes is fully healthy, I'd look at an Addison trade. So I don't think Addison's getting traded. If you listen to his media availability, I think he's the exact type of player they probably want mentoring some of these younger players. I don't think Butler has much trade value, and I don't think Klein has much trade value. So if they could swing it, great, but I don't think either one of them has significant trade value, if anything at all. Mostly due to the fact that both of them make decent enough money. 
I agree with you. I think Kumaro at this point is in the driver's seat for a roster spot. Stevenson is not. So I think there's a very reasonable chance he gets cut and get put on the practice squad. Again, Forrest Lamp. I agree with you on Forrest Lamp. A lot of people thought Forrest Lamp was going to be a, a competition for a guard spot, but that has not been the case. So because of that, I think it's very reasonable he doesn't make this team. Moving along, next almighty take comes from Christopher Nixon. He says, every time we hear a roster projection, there are various players who are said to likely make the roster based on their special teams contributions, but I've never heard these players compared to each other only to other players at their listed position who may not contribute as much on special teams. What overlap is there in their special teams contributions and can we do or do we need to keep them all for what they do on teams? Below, I listed the players who have had over 100 special teams snaps last year and remain on the roster now. Poyer, Taron Johnson, and probably AJ Klein would make the team for what they contribute on defense alone. But of the others, who do we need to keep specifically for their contributions on special teams? And who can we let go and replace for other players already on the roster elsewhere? Taiwan Jones is an elite gunner, but how much better is he than Saran Neal? Is Neal more likely to contribute as a backup DB than Jones is as a backup running back? Taiwan Jones, 209 snaps. Reggie Gillum, 189 snaps. Daryl Johnson, 258. Tyrell Dodson, 139. AJ Klein, 148. Andre Smith, 216. Tyler Matikiewicz, 343. Jordan Poyer, 164. Jaquan Johnson, 249. Saran Neal, 278. Taron Johnson, 163. So this is the way I look at bottom of the roster special teams players. A lot of times, if they're deep enough down on the roster, if they're playing on defense, you're toast anyway. If Tyler Matikiewicz is playing meaningful snaps at linebacker, you're messed up anyway. You were already going to be put in a position where you would have to accommodate for your third linebacker. So if you have Tyler Matikiewicz running with the third team and he ends up on your field, something's gone horribly wrong. But the probability of that player who's being swapped for Matikiewicz, who might be better on defense, the probability of that player screwing something up on special teams is higher than Matikiewicz screwing something up on defense. Because that player's going to have to play special teams. Matikiewicz might have to play defense. So you remember the worry algorithm I talked about with Nate Geary earlier this offseason. The worry algorithm helps us quantify how worried we should be about something. It is the probability of it happening multiplied by the impact of it happening. So the impact of Tyler Matikiewicz playing meaningful snaps on defense is notable. That's bad. You don't want that happening. The probability of it happening is fairly low because a lot of things have to get injured in front of him in order for that to happen. Now flip it. Let's put Jim Bob in for Tyler Matikiewicz. Jim Bob is a little bit better of a linebacker, but not as good of a special teams player. Well, we know he's playing special teams. He has to. Because you got to make sure that you have people to run that team. You need somebody who can run field goal block. You need someone who can run punt return. You need someone who can run kickoff return, kick team, all that stuff. So he's going to play snaps. We know that. He's going to play them on special teams. The probability of him screwing something up on special teams is higher than the probability of Matikiewicz screwing something up on defense because the likelihood of him playing special teams is really high, he's going to do it. The likelihood of Matikiewicz playing defense is fairly low. That's kind of how you, you 
process that. So the original question there was Taiwan Jones is an elite gunner, but how much better is he than Saran Neal? Notable. Is Neal more likely to contribute as a backup DB than Jones is as a backup running back? Maybe. But in the last couple of years, you haven't wanted either of those players to be on the team for team defense or team offense. You haven't wanted Taiwan Jones to run the ball, and you haven't wanted Saran Neal to play meaningful snaps on defense. That has not been what the coaching staff wanted. So because of that, if they're both in the we would prefer these people not play on defense bucket, then you might as well pick the better special teams player. Now, if the gap is significant, then okay. But if the gap is significant, you still have to factor in the probability that that player is actually going to actually play on defense. If Serrano is way better on defense than Taiwan Jones is on offense, but Saran Neal's your third nickel corner, it might not even matter. It might not even matter that he's way better on defense. He's still third on the depth chart. So the opportunity for you to even have that as a realized benefit is really small. So I think that stuff matters a lot more when you're talking about second string people. But a lot of these people you're talking about are third string people. And when it comes down to third string people, they have a tendency to really look into special teams more significantly. Ladies and gentlemen, we did it. We got all caught up. We are caught up on almighty takes. We went through the depth chart. I will talk to you live on the Buffalo Rumblings YouTube channel immediately after the Buffalo Bills, Detroit Lions preseason game on Friday the 13th. It'll be spooky. But that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblings.